if there's something novel and new, the brain all of a sudden sees that and says, whoa, 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 what is that? Alarm, alarm bells, alarm bells. And that's, it'll basically feel like a trigger point, but that's what we're looking for. So we're looking for those areas where we scan around and you say, ooh, that's, that's a spot. And it's, you know, it's not pleasant in the moment, but it's cool and it's productive because it helps us know exactly where we need to go. Kind of where's the bullseye of this problem? Trying to, you know, take similar approach that you do with functional medicine. We're trying to go upstream and find the cause here in the musculoskeletal system rather than in the biochemistry of the immune system. Welcome to Take Back Your Health with Dr. Amy Myers. Today's guest is Garrett Salpeter. Garrett is considered the health engineer. His background is in engineering and neuroscience. He is the inventor of NuFit and has a patent on the Newbie, which I can personally testify is an incredible machine. He has trained doctors and physical therapists from around the country in his method. And you can check out his website at new.fit. He is the author of the book, The New Fit Method, and the host of the podcast, Undercurrent. Welcome, Garrett. I am so excited to have you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, we go way, way back, and we'll get into that story in a little bit, but it's great to see you in person in Austin. I know. I, I, wonderful to be here and see your office. It's my first time at this new building. Yeah. It's great. So let's let's just dive into it. How did you get into what we're going to call electrical physiology? Well, it's uh, sort of the Venn diagram overlap of you know my background being in engineering and neuroscience, sort of where all those overlap. But the immediate catalyst was actually an experience I had back when I was an athlete. I was playing college ice hockey, had some torn ligaments. I was supposed to have surgery and be out for a few months. And based on my previous experiences with you know traditional physical therapy, traditional orthopedic medicine, I just kind of figured that's how it would be. Thankfully, however, I, I met a doctor who was practicing functional neurology, which is looking not just at the, the injured tissue, but looking at how the nervous system responds to injury, how there, there might be guarding and inhibition and how the autonomic nervous system is or is not you know, working in a way that supports healing. So working with functional neurology and also working with older versions of direct current. And long story short, working with this doctor, I was able to heal my ligaments on their own in two to three weeks. I was able to avoid surgery wow. And I was, I mean, I was thrilled as a hockey player, you know, to be able to get back out on the ice faster because that was my passion. And, you know, there's a lot of wonderful things there. But what really got me excited is going through this experience and finding something that actually made sense scientifically from first principles. And it was just such a sharp contrast to the previous experiences I had dealing with various injuries along the way. So when I found that, I just knew there was something about this that that I really wanted to pursue and somehow in some way, you know, it would shape the, the path of my life. And it's, you know, now 17, 18 something years ago that happened. And it certainly has. Uh, but that experience is really what kind of launched me on this journey. And when we met, you were actually getting your PhD, I believe. And what 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 were you studying? I was in a, a neuroscience program. I guess uh, I guess you could say I'm a, a PhD dropout. Oh, it's but. okay. <laughs> I think the path that you're on is much better. Actually, in fact, I think that was the advice I gave you way back when. That's right. That's right. We, I got some excellent, excellent advice from you uh, along the way. And in some very formative years when I was really deciding, you know, which direction to go and, and all that. Yes. So I'm very grateful to you. Well, I'm grateful <laughs> to you too. I'll share my story. We met, um, I was seeing my chiropractor and I was having some foot pain that he was unable to solve. And you were sharing some office space, you know, in his building. And so he sent me to you and we used something similar to what we'll get into now that, that you have invented the newbie at NewFit. And really within a couple of sessions, I was healed. And, um, well, we'll get into it as we go. I now own one of your machines because it has kept me out of trouble. And when I can no longer get in to see you, uh, it really has been a saving grace. So let's talk about, well, well, let's just, I guess, dive into it. You now have a company, NewFit, you've written a book, and you have this machine called a newbie. So why don't you tell us what NewFit is and then talk to us about the newbie. What is it? So when we talk about NewFit, the name of our business is, is neurology and fitness. And I believe that if you can really work with the nervous system and help the nervous system become resilient, robust, strong, powerful, that that is the foundation that underlies healing from any sort of recovering from any sort of trauma, injury, 
helping people achieve whatever goals they really want in this in this you know injury pain wellness even sports performance realm so we're trying to put the nervous system front and center newbie the device is an acronym for neurobioelectric stimulator and so in terms of our business now we are best known for the newbie device you know i'm grateful to say we have a few patents on it and for the last now you know seven or so years that it's been out i've been focused a lot on building out our our education platform and training now we've trained a little over 3000 people wow. in how to use this device so that's you know physical therapy clinics that's athletic trainers with professional sports teams or universities um, occupational therapists chiropractors a lot you know different professionals like that um, using it there so it's been uh, it's been a cool journey to see how what we're doing in this you know little clinic in Austin has grown and, and multiplied and is now reaching far more people than you know we certainly ever could do just by ourselves. Right. Well, I knew you'd be there. I knew you'd be there. So tell me, you know, when people ask me, what is the new fit? I have a hard time, or what is the newbie? I have a hard time describing it other than to say that it is sort of like an e-stem machine, which I do believe, which you can explain to people who are not familiar, but I think many people have heard what an e-stem machine is. But I say it's an e-stem machine, but on steroids. So um, that's my simplistic way of doing it. Can you, I guess, first explain to people what is an e-stem machine and how is the newbie different? So it's a it's a good comparison because there's overlap. There are also, though, as you said, some, some differences. I, I liken it to having a horse-drawn carriage and a you know modern-day Tesla or a Porsche or something you know a, a, a good car you know they're both methods methods of transportation and so there's some overlap but there's a lot more that you can do with this modern-day car than you can with a horse and buggy from the early 1900s. So the the biggest difference between the newbie and the traditional tens units or interferential or what you might have seen in you know traditional modalities in, in PT clinics, chiropractic offices, the biggest difference is that we're able to use direct current versus virtually everything else that's out there is using alternating current. And there's a really interesting history here where the benefits of direct current, we didn't actually discover anything new. We're, at, we're, we're showing some evidence that I'll get into, you know, in, in terms of what direct current can do in humans and some, some kind of pioneering work there. But a lot of these benefits were actually known back in the 1960s, 1970s. The Soviets did a lot of work with direct current but there was always this issue where when they turned it up to a high enough level to really create this progressive overload and adaptation within the nervous system, they would literally burn the skin of their athletes. Oh, wow. And so it was a case of the baby being thrown out with the bathwater. We, you know, we couldn't do that over here in the West. And so the direct current essentially just got, got thrown out for decades. And in its place came these alternating current modalities. And that became sort of the standard of the technology. And there are some things you can do, but there's some, some also significant limitations. And there, there's two main categories of benefits to using direct current. One is that when you have direct current, you have this electric field, which is you create this gradient. So if you have a, a ball at the top of a hill, it's naturally going to roll down because of gravity. The same thing, if you have an electric field, charges are going to move positive charges towards the negative terminal and vice versa. So charges are going to move in a way that causes cells to migrate and, and this, this create, these electric fields end up influencing the healing process. So it can help with growth and repair of bone, muscle, connective tissue, nerves. We actually just completed a study on neuropathy and we saw the direct head to head, direct current versus alternating current. Saw that we were able to help literally stimulate nerve regeneration in diabetic neuropathy patients in their seventies when it's been written off that they could ever wow. heal in any meaningful way. What can I interrupt you there? What about, um, neuropathy post chemo treatment? Have you done anything with that? So we haven't done, I mean, this was a very ambitious study with 150 subjects, mm -hmm. nothing yet to that scope, but anecdotally, we've seen Do you think that similar it... benefits oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it certainly is worthy of further study. And, you know, I think we'd love to have a similarly robust study on that. But... And bone, you have study or just anecdotal evidence on bone? Is that after a fracture, after a bone break? What... There's actually, there's actually a really... Uh, a significant body of literature on using electrical stimulation for bone healing, for healing of non-union fractures. So that, we haven't done any specific work on that. We've seen anecdotally, again, you know, improvements there. And that's also piggybacking off of this very robust literature on using electrical stimulation for non-union, healing non-union fractures. Um, so there's, there's a good precedent for that. And what about um, uh, osteopenia or osteoporosis? Or is it more with a break? More, more in terms of recovery from injury there, you know, there are some theoretical avenues, 
by which we might be able to help, but mm -hmm. we we just haven't seen it yet, and I, you know I'm certainly not ready to make any claims about it. You know, there's possible connections. You know, bones are piezoelectric, meaning when you load them, they create electric fields, mm -hmm. and that's what part of what triggers the you know body to lay down more minerals and strengthen the bone tissue. But uh, you know, it's still still too early. I don't think we can. So maybe impact yet. with the newbie, perhaps you know, or, or weight bearing with the newbie. One of the things. So on on that topic, we have seen um, another couple of our first you know, published studies is on the effects of the newbie on muscle hypertrophy. And we've seen that we can see you know, approximately the same, very similar amounts of muscle growth using the newbie with no weight at all compared mm -hmm. to traditional weightlifting exercise. So it can make that you know, muscle growth building activities safer and more accessible to people who might not otherwise be able to, to do it, can be helpful for people with sarcopenia, stuff like this. So there's these, these excellent benefits there. Then the question becomes, and this is sort of the next question to answer, looking at, you know, by the way, we now have an actual PhD who runs our research program who's far better at it than I would have been. So it's a question for, for her that she'll tackle. But uh, the question then is, okay, we have all these wonderful muscle building effects and performance effects. Can, does that also check the box, so to speak, of what resistance exercise does for stimulating bone density? And that's a question that mm. is sort of one of the next ones we want to answer. Right. Well, I tell people it literally is that machine that you could put on and sit and watch TV or read a book. And it really does exist out there. Now, I wish I could say that that's how I used it. Um, I probably, you know, do actually go to the gym, but, um, but I did. I mean, you know, I then later, well, I still have, have a chronic degenerative hip and you amongst many people have been someone that has dramatically helped me. And there were times where I could not do squats and kettlebell swings and many of the things that I used to do because of my hip. And so I would literally put the machine on and stand there and build muscle mm -hmm. using the machine. And so I can attest to not having to do the squats and whatnot. Now I'm strong enough and I'm able to do those things uh, without injuring myself. So, you know, I, I definitely appreciate that. But it, it it is interesting for particularly, as you know, many of the people that follow me have autoimmunity and many of them have degenerative, you know, diseases, MS, um, you know, various muscular uh, degenerative diseases, and they are unable to exercise. And so this is an excellent way for people to, because it becomes that catch-22, right? I can't exercise, then I get weaker, and then, you know, things get harder versus being able to use this machine, not be able to exercise, kind of like myself, build up your muscle, and then hopefully, depending on what's going on with you, be able to then actually get back out and exercise or exercise with the machine. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good segue into, you know, just kind of this ongoing thread about the differences between direct current and alternating yes. current, where there's this one category of benefits in terms of how the electric fields can influence tissue healing. And then the other main category of benefits has to do with the effect on the nervous system. And when you use an alternating current device, part of the reason that there's a low ceiling on what you can accomplish is that that signal as think of alternating current, meaning it alternates, goes back and forth, positive, negative, positive, negative. So you're getting a signal to contract muscles on both sides of your joint, both sides of your body. So again, if we're going back to a car metaphor, it's like you're driving your car, hitting the throttle and the brake pedal at the same time. You're training your body to resist its own movements. Hmm. And there are some significant limitations that, especially if you're talking about someone who has some sort of neurodegenerative condition where it already takes a lot of energy, takes more energy than the average person just to get up and, and move. If you're having to spend extra energy overcoming that, that additional internal resistance, there's actually a significant cost to that. And so training the body to, to move more efficiently, to, to actually bypass that back and forth, bypass those protective contractions, both autonomic and literally mechanical protective contractions, bypass that and get more sensory input into the nervous system is how then we can create that signal. Because if we're talking about, about strength and movement, it's ultimately the nervous system that controls what the muscles do. So being able to get that signal into the nervous system to help repattern, re-educate, neuromuscular re-education is sort of this umbrella term, be able to re-educate and retrain those neurological pathways or the nervous system to be able to send the right signals allows for these wonderful improvements in strength. And of course, if you can activate a muscle more effectively, then you can use it more and you can trigger it to, to build and you can get the hypertrophy and the tissue building effects too. So 
um, good, good segue into just kind of finishing. And, and so, yeah, back to that. And so some of the other things that I understand is, uh, through talking with you is it's also not only contracting the muscle, but also lengthening the muscle. And then is there something also uh, part of this getting more blood flow into all of the tissues, uh, as well? So the blood flow piece of it, absolutely. That's part of, you know, how tissues heal and part of the why people, you know, recover faster when they're using this. After but how, I guess, how is the blood flow getting there? The, the, the current is driving more blood flow there. So or? There, there's two, there's two parts of it. One is, um, the, the current can be creating mechanical contractions that help the pumping of blood and lymph uh -huh. and other fluids. And then the other is that the autonomic nervous system controls a lot of, you know, blood vessel constriction and dilation and things like that. So we're getting more activation of the autonomic nervous system, especially, uh, this is, you know, especially in people with chronic pain and different things where they have excess, they're, they're kind of in, in overdrive sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. We can help them downregulate that, get more parasympathetic activity. So there's going to be less vasoconstriction from the sympathetic nervous system. So if someone's stressed, you know, oftentimes their hands will get, might get cold, right? Mm -hmm. And that's because we're reduced their, their vasoconstriction, constricting blood vessels, reducing blood flow to the hands. If you can get more parasympathetic activation, you get more blood flow and the hands warm up. So it's a, just an example, but we're able to help create that sort of effect throughout the body. So that's part of it. And then to that other piece of, you know, helping to preferentially relax or contract muscles. That's one of the cool things here. But with that alternating current signal, you're always getting that contraction where muscles are fighting against each other, as, as long as it's high enough to where you're, you're getting right. your overload to get adaptation, right? So with this, we actually, part of what's in one of our patents, for example, is the ability to switch settings. So in here it would be like switching frequency, for example, switching settings. So you can preferentially lengthen or relax tissue, or you can, you can contract it more. And you can, at all settings, there's some overlap. So it's a little bit, it's not necessarily a binary as much as it is a, a continuum, but you can, yeah, it's, at some settings work on a lot more. If you're working on wanting, if, if someone who has spasticity, for example, and you're wanting to really teach them to relax muscles or increase mobility, lengthen out, you can use those settings and that preferentially get that effect. If you're wanting to build muscle or work on strength or activate activation in certain range of motion, these other settings can help you you know, preferentially do more of that. And that seems kind of, you know, you have a location here, New Fit in Austin, and I know, and we'll get into this, that you have practitioners, as you've mentioned, that are PT, maybe physicians all around the country now that have your machines and are using the machines. It seems like uh, that there are kind of two main tracks. One is uh, people who are coming to you for muscle building. I mean, whenever I'm in there, there are these very, very, you know, beefy men and women uh, with lots of muscle and don't necessarily have any injuries and they're there really just to build muscle. And then there are the people like myself who came, you know, because of, uh, of a, mine was acute at the time. Well, I've come to you for acute and chronic conditions. So it, it seems like there's this um, people with acute and chronic pain and then people who aren't necessarily in pain any at all. Can you kind of speak to the different types of people who might utilize this and that you've seen utilize this? Yeah, it's a, it's a great, a great topic. And it's interesting, you know, when I talk, sometimes it seems overly broad, the, the types of people or the types of conditions with which this sort of approach can help. But there is a common thread throughout all that. I think it's important to kind of talk about that first. The common thread is the nervous system. And it's how the nervous system responds to acute injury in an athlete or how the nervous system might be beginning to shut down muscles in a, in a, you know, quote unquote aging athlete or someone who wants to train and stay active as they get into their forties or fifties, but it's more difficult because these aches and pains, you know, make it difficult to, to maintain a consistent regimen. Um, and then there's also the neurodegenerative, uh, patients, you know, someone recovering from a stroke or MS or who has these ongoing issues with, with autoimmunity. So there's a, there's a common thread throughout all that. And that is the nervous system. And when we're talking about these, um, people who are coming in more for wanting to build muscle. Some of these benefits we talked about in that hypertrophy study. The, a lot of times the benefit there is, you know, when people have been training for a while, a lot of times these injuries catch up with them and, you know, they'll go, they'll go and work out, have a couple of good workouts and then be injured and they won't be able to go back to the gym for three or four weeks. So mm -hmm. they'll have to figure out how to train around that, that injury. And it becomes very difficult to accumulate progress. And we know how important muscle is for aging gracefully. We know how, how effective it is, you know, helping with the metabolism, helping keeping inflammation under control, all these, all these hormones, right? All these wonderful things that you know even better than I do. And 
it becomes difficult if you're injured, you know, to really do the work that's necessary just to maintain because it's use it or lose. It definitely applies even mm -hmm. more as one gets older, even more if one has a neurodegenerative condition. So use it or lose, it definitely applies. It becomes even more difficult just to do that minimum amount of work to maintain, let alone to try to build new muscle if that's what someone wants to do. So, so being able to come in and, and lift less weight, have less risk of injury and get the same or more benefit is a really valuable proposition for, for people in that demographic. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, can be more time efficient, more effective, safer. There's a lot of, a lot of benefits there in that, in that population. And then when we're talking about injury, you know, if someone's been in chronic pain and they've tried 10 other things and it hasn't worked, I mean, there sometimes is an element of desperation and helping people who are in, in that type of situation is just profound. And that's something that, you know, when you hear some of those stories and literally bring a tear to my eye and give me the chills to, to hear some of those stories. I mean, well, that was going to be my next <laughs> question. Is there one or two, you know, success stories that really, you know, that you hold dear that you want to share with us? There's a, there's a few, I mean, there's a few that, you know, with professional athletes who have given us permission to talk about and stuff like that. And some, some of which are in my book here. There's actually one in the book though. Um, a, a woman that we worked with who had CRPS complex regional pain syndrome, which is, uh, sometimes similar bucket as fibromyalgia, but literally so, so bad for her that she, she was in trade school to become a barber and she had to withdraw from school because she was bedridden for all but an hour or two every day. Mm. Uh, so literally the, the, it was so bad that the sensation of water on the shower on some days, some, that sensation on her skin might make her vomit. Wow. And this is called the suicide disease because the pain is so bad. There's a, I forget, maybe it's like a 50 point pain scale. They say, you know, childbirth is around a, uh, so I say in the low forties, the numbers are a little bit off. This, this disease is like high forties. It's like even worse than that. Uh, you know, so, so just really debilitating and it's often triggered by a seemingly innocuous injury. Like for her, she had some sort of foot injury that you, know, you expect would heal and be fine. But in these, in these patients, these seemingly innocuous injuries, they, you know, they, they start to heal. And all of a sudden there's this trigger where the sympathetic nervous system just goes into overdrive and they start protecting as if they're just being attacked again at every mm -hmm. moment. It goes into this just way off the charts, crazy reaction, hyper reaction. And so with, with these types of patients, there's essentially two things that, that we'd like to do. One is we want to try to globally downregulate that sympathetic fight or flight activity within the nervous system. And then we want to locally find where their nervous system is guarding and protecting because pain Pain is very interesting. Pain is a, is a signal the brain creates. So it's like, it's like a fire alarm. And a lot of people, you know, if they have pain, they want to take ibuprofen or something like that, right. which is basically just turning off the fire alarm instead of actually finding where the smoke is coming from and, and putting out the fire. And so we want to actually, we would take, take one of the electrodes, for example, and scan around on the, on the patient's body and find where exactly their nervous system is perceiving that threat where the smoke, where the fire is actually coming from, and then stimulate that area to teach their brain that it can start to handle input, handle signal from there, essentially a form of desensitization. And then by working globally and locally, oftentimes it can help make a difference. And in, in this woman's case, she, uh, about seven or eight sessions in, she came back in. There was this wonderful moment at our old office where I was sitting at the, at the front with a couple other colleagues just hanging out you know, when she came in and she said, comes in and says, hey guys, guess what? what? Okay. She said, I'm going back to school. And she literally was, it was up and about. She was, she would drive in an hour for her sessions. And initially she had to have you know someone drive her. Now she could drive herself. She was going back to, school. it just gave her her life back. Yeah. And these types of stories. I have uh, goosebumps. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's incredible. That's really, it's really, really profound. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, what does it feel like? <laughs> it's well, I could, I could pose the same question to you, but yeah, because, you know, I know what it as, feels as, like. As a, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it feels like sort of electrical buzzing. Uh -huh. Um, and then, you know, and then, you know, sometimes it'll make muscles twitch or contract, uh, depending on the setting or depending on where it is and stuff like that. So, so there's this sort of baseline buzzing. Most people find that just baseline sensation pleasant or neutral. 
every once in a while, someone will, will <laughs> say just, it's uncomfortable. I'm just sorry. <laughs> I'm remembering all of the time. So I would always only see Garrett personally and that little evil smile that he has right there. You would turn up the machine when you were scanning and it would be like jumping off the table. But scanning is a different thing than actually using the machine. So, so yeah. if you go, don't go to Garrett. Do you see that evil smile? I think he has a little, hmm. It is, it is for, for, the, for the greater good. Yes, sure. Of your recovery. Right. Um, so, so there's this baseline electrical sensation. And then what we're looking for, especially on that scanning, is we're looking for areas where you know, if we're scanning over an area where it's healthy, 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 your brain or the patient's brain will see that and say, okay, we're, we're loading these tissues just the same as if we're stretching or if we're moving or lifting something. Um, the brain will see that and say, oh, that's just Amy being Amy. Or that's just, that's just us doing our thing. There's nothing alarming or threatening about that. No reason to really be concerned at all. But then if we stimulate an area either where the, the brain is actively trying to govern and limit output in that area because of a recent injury or we're stimulating an area that because of bad habits over, over time, someone's been avoiding. If there's something novel and new, the brain all of a sudden sees that and says, whoa, 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 what is that? Alarm, alarm bells, alarm bells. And that's, it'll basically feel like a trigger point, but that's what we're looking for. So we're looking for those areas where we scan around and you say, ooh, that's, that's a spot. And it's, you know, it's not pleasant in the moment, but it's cool and it's a, a productive because it helps us know exactly where we need to go. It kind of where's the bullseye of this problem? Trying to you know take similar approach that you do with functional medicine. We're trying to go upstream and find the cause here in the musculoskeletal system rather than in the biochemistry of the immune system. But when we find that spot, then that helps us know where we need to stimulate in order to make these neurological changes to help people recover faster, feel better, et cetera. And the interesting thing to me was, you know, I came in with this foot problem, but often where you were putting the pads were not on my foot at all, which I imagine is something that happens frequently, you know, that you're scanning somewhere. And again, as you said, it's this downstream problem that someone, which kind of equates to conventional medicine, right? You walk in, you say, I have reflux. Someone gives you this pill, you know, for that reflux instead of saying, well, where did the reflux come from? Oh, you have a parasite or, oh, you, you have a gluten sensitivity. Let's get rid of that. You know, everywhere I was going to the podiatrist, to all of these feet people, when really the problem was upstream in my leg and my SI joint and not as much down in my foot. And that sometimes people come in expecting if your back hurts, they want you to come and rub on their back or put pads on their back or, or same thing with the foot, rub on the foot, put pads on their foot. And so we have to be, you know, artful and effective in how we explain what's going on. So when we can find those clear hotspots, that's helpful because someone can kind of viscerally understand, oh yeah, there's an issue there. It's probably worth pursuing, but it's up to us also to educate people to say like, look, we're, we're here to try to achieve a result, right? We're trying to, trying to help you reduce your foot pain or your whatever pain you came in with. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through our process, we're gonna try this. If we're doing our job right, we expect to see some improvement and that'll vary depending on the circumstances. But if we're doing our job right, we expect to see some improvement. If we don't see that improvement, then you know we wanna try the next thing or, or maybe it's a case where we'd have to refer out for imaging or something like that. But, but oftentimes when we go through that process, you know, applying the 80-20 principle or something, these 20% of techniques and activities help 80 or more, 80 or 90% of people notice improvements even in the first visit. I know your foot wasn't 100% in the first visit, but you know we at least made some progress where you were motivated to want to come back. And thankfully, that's a common response where people tend to see that progress. And so that ultimately, you know, sort of the proof is in the pudding sort of thing. If people, if people feel better, then they understand they're motivated, they want to come back and continue on. And do you, is there, I, I suppose it depends on why someone's coming, but is there a rule of thumb? You know, this is something you can do every day. This is something that you should do, you know, give your body a break and do every other day once a week. I mean, I'm, I know you mentioned this woman traveling an hour to see you. So does it really depend on what's going on or how often should somebody be doing this and is there too much of a good thing can be a bad thing type of situation? There's definitely a range. And I can talk about the average, but just it's kind of, of interesting course. and fun to talk yeah. about some of the, the end cases. So so if we're talking about an elite athlete, say someone uh, is trying to get ready for the Super Bowl and has a sprained ankle, 
and they just they just sprained an ankle in the NFC Championship game, and they have two weeks to get ready, but it's normally a six or eight week injury. Well, we can work with that athlete two or three times a day, and that's just basically you know they're used to extreme training loads and challenging themselves and having to recover, and that's a full time job. So we can throw all of that stimulus at them, and gosh darn it, have a good chance of getting them ready for the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, so that's, that's kind of the extreme case, you know, two or three times a day. The other case is someone who experiences extreme fatigue and we just have to essentially treat them with kid gloves and ramp up very slowly, safely, methodically, very logically, just step by step. You know, the average person though, uh, that comes in, you know, average person is going to be ideally doing two or three sessions a week because the stimulus here is going to be great enough. It's going to be like, you know, the equivalent of having a good workout where you're gonna, gonna create an effect. You wanna have then that you know, 24 to 48 hours to recover afterwards because the, the rebuilding and the, the adaptation doesn't happen during the training, but it happens during the subsequent recovery period, especially during sleep. And so having the, the nutrients, having the, the right strategies, being able to sleep well for a night or two in between is gonna be a big deal to help someone adapt and recover and come back stronger so they can then you know, get higher on the machine in the next session, reach you know, new milestones each session or, or just, you know, whenever the appropriate progression is. So that's usually sort of the, the, you know, average case type of thing where people are usually coming in on those typical physical therapy type two to three times per week cadences. And speaking of the Super Bowl, I've been watching that uh, documentary quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I've seen hyperbaric machines. I've seen saunas. I've seen chiropractic. I've seen ice bath, but I've not seen a new fit. So we need to get, you know, and Patrick Mahomes owns a home in, in Westlake. Did you know that? I did, I did not know that. Yeah. That's so news to me. we have got to get the word out to him. So Patrick, if you happen to be listening to the Take Back Your so, Health with Dr. Amy Myers, you've got to know Garrett and get one of these machines. So a, a couple of his teammates actually have their own and we work with, we actually, okay. uh, one of them, one of his offensive linemen just reshared a, a social media post of him using the newbie actually. Uh, so that, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, however, uh, that's what Wikipedia, Wikipedia said. I don't oh. know if it's true, but they said that oh. he owns a, or some article I was reading oh. that they have cool. a house in Westlake. Dang, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um, so one interesting thing, one, one of the quarterbacks that's featured, uh, this year. So this current, you know, we're recording this at you know, beginning of 2024. So for the 2023 season, when they were filming, one of the there might be some footage. I know oh, okay, that, I know cool. there was some footage captured All with right. it. I don't know if it's going to make the cut and be in, right, be in the cool. show, but I'm hopeful that hopeful that it will be. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's how can you argue when you know the top athletes in the country, if not the world, are using things like hyperbarics and ice baths? You know, I mean, they they need to recover and reduce inflammation very quickly. Yeah. So you know, I personally was very excited to see you know them showing these yeah. various modalities on yeah. the show. It was a great show, really. Uh, I you got to watch it and enjoy it. Well, we're talking about you know NFL, too. I'll share one story. So uh, Saquon Barkley is a fairly well-known running back, plays for the New York Giants, really incredible athlete. And you know he's given us permission. We have some videos together and given us permission to share his story. So he had an ACL surgery. And he, you know of course, is working with you know wonderful people and everything. And yet he was frustrated because that five or six months after his surgery, he was stalled and he was still having issues. So he worked with a surgeon in LA named Dr. Elitrosh, who, you know, does all, all these big name pro athletes. And uh, he has this 50 point lower extremity functional scale. And so in, you know, five or six months, Saquon was still at like 23 or 24 on that scale. He then did his first session on the newbie and he said, man, I can feel my VMO wake up for the first time, you know, one of the quad muscles feel like it's actually turning on for the first time, you know, since the surgery made, you know, significant progress in those first seven or eight weeks with the device, went back and retested and got a 49. Wow. So it changed the trajectory of his recovery from, you know, slow up to just. How do you find out about you? Uh, a physical therapist in LA that uses our machine, who's actually a wonderful guy, works with a lot of high-end entertainers and athletes. He had used it on him. And then uh, Saquon reached out to him when he was like, man, you know, I'm stalled. What you got? He's like, well, remember that machine? And, you know, he connected us. Okay, cool. Yeah. And you've mentioned a lot about the parasympathetic nervous system and the machine really affecting that. Is that 
a natural effect no matter where. I mean, we haven't really discussed that there are cords that come out of the machine and there are eight different pads that you can use. And so is that an effect of just having these pads on you no matter where it is? Or is this something that you need to have a specific placement to the vagal nerve or something in order to impact your parasympathetic nervous system? There's a couple different ways that that this can go and that we can influence the autonomic nervous system. So one is we have something that we call the master reset, which is essentially our version of a vagus nerve stimulation protocol. And that will, we've seen with heart rate variability measurements, you know, if you just lie down, so we use, I have this whoop on and people have wearables and stuff, but we also in the clinic have an aura ring, exactly. So, you know, we also have uh, this wrist cuff device that's actually measuring electrical activity, you know, clinical grade heart rate variability. So we'll we'll do these before and after measurements, and mm-hmm. and we've done some pilot data here, and, and are looking to publish something in this regard as well. But the you know if you lie down and do diaphragmatic breathing for ten to twenty minutes, your heart rate variability will increase, and that's wonderful. If you do acupuncture, your heart rate variability will increase, and and that's wonderful. If you use this master reset protocol, whatever would happen normally, just lying down and doing diaphragmatic breathing. The increase that we see with the master reset is three or four times more significant in terms of increased heart rate variability. So heart rate variability, you know, by the way, is a proxy for looking at the parasympathetic nervous system. You basically you want it to be higher because that tells you you're more parasympathetic, less fight or flight, more rest and digest. Uh, so that that protocol, I mean, that's amazing. So we and def- is that the pads on your base of your skull and then the bottom of your feet? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you lie down with that on, you know, do diaphragmatic breathing, but you have that on and that, you know, there's interesting effects locally. The, the nerves on you know, the, the bottoms of the feet are so neurologically dense. And then the back of the neck, you're also getting the brainstem where the vagus nerve emanates from. And, and there's so many uh, mechanoreceptors there. So there's local, but then you also have this global effect of these direct current electric fields uh, throughout the entire length of the body and, you know, some cool things happening. But the net result is this significant increase in heart rate variability. So there's that. If, we're, if we want to be very directed at that particular outcome, we're doing the master reset. We also see effects. If we're doing a more intense rehabilitation or training session, you actually do want to have some ramp up of the sympathetic nervous system because that's how we mobilize energy to meet an immediate challenge. The thing is, though, that oftentimes people the way that they train, they end up training themselves to get better and better at being in that state. They don't, they don't create enough of a gradient to turn on that then triggers the rebound effect to turn off and recover afterwards. So with the newbie and the, the protocol, the new fit method and protocols that we have, we're able to create, yes, a temporary increase in sympathetic, but we tend to see greater rebounds in terms of ramping down and that subsequent boost in heart rate variability, you know, the next night of sleep on someone's wearable device or things like that too. So, so there's the, the kind of more direct immediate approach and then there's the delayed approach. But generally speaking, we're seeing higher, regardless of which approach we're taking, higher, uh, greater improvements in heart rate variability and, and greater effects on the autonomic nervous system because of how directly and powerfully we are communicating with the nervous system. And that's great. I was going to ask you about those, you know, vagus nerve stimulators that, you know, starting to see online and Mm -hmm. that people have kind of handheld devices. Uh, Another thing that I have seen is, I don't know what it's called. I've not, I've not done anything uh, to my face, (laughs) Um, but there is some type of, you know, it's something to be instead of Botox or instead of plastic surgery is going and, and it, it looks like they're putting some sort of pad almost like a new fit on their face. I don't know if maybe it's called new face. I don't know what it's called. Maybe, you know, there are there's I'm not sure there's something popping up and yeah. you see various people online and they've gone and put these pads all over their face. Do you all have a protocol or a usage for that? So there there is a uh this category, I'm not sure the, the brand right. and stuff like that, exactly. but this, this category would be called like a microcurrent facial. Right. Okay. And so, so we do have. That's how out of it I am with all the facial <laughs> stuff, but yes. The, uh, I could probably use, use one down. <laughs> like, well, in my mid fifties now, I definitely don't want to do anything artificial. So, so with this, there is, uh, you you can't, there's microcurrent settings that we can do. We do a lot of work with microcurrent. So there would be overlap and the mechanisms would have to do with 
things like increasing blood flow, reducing muscle tone or increasing muscle tone right. if you need to, um, but also you know, having effects on collagen production, mm -hmm. which electrical current can do. So there should be, you know, I'm not able to or, or necessarily prepared to make any specific claims here, but uh, you know, if, if we're looking at what some of these microcurrent devices can do, I'm you know confident we could do the same types of settings and you know, same okay, types well, of effects. Okay, I want those right? when we're done, please. <laughs> yeah. We'll do a little bit of I'll, research I'll, after yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> I want those settings, please. So, you know, I think I've had my machine for I don't know, maybe five. Is it like maybe five years now? When did when did the machine come out? Uh, 2017. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, almost seven years. So I've had yeah. it probably for at least six. So. Any new technology in the machine or anything new coming out? Has it changed over the last six years? So the, the core technology is the same. I think there's, there's a few different things. I mean, one is for us, the biggest opportunity for growth is, is really taking this core technology and sharing it with more and more people. Yes. At the same time, though, you know, we're, you know, we identify as an innovative company, right? And we're always trying to see ways to improve. And so, yes, we're working on the technology. So for us, uh, some of the biggest things that we're working on now are finding ways to miniaturize it. That's what I was going to uh, ask. Increase some of the ranges of um, settings and different things we can do with it. We're also always refining the, the methodology. I mentioned we have this uh, woman on our leadership team who has a PhD in neuroscience. So um, she's been collaborating with various research partners and, and through that work and all this other clinical work, we've been putting out more uh, continuing education courses, mostly for practitioners rather than individual users. But education courses on specifically how to treat various neurological diagnoses or or uh, sports medicine and muscle hypertrophy or, you know these different topics that we've talked about here so so we're you know growing and evolving in these different directions technology methodology education uh, you know, always always trying to grow do you think that a uh, travel size one will be coming out at any point I, at some point at, at some, some point, point I think it will okay well I mean I travel <laughs> with mine it fits in a carry-on suitcase so yeah. uh, I can't say it's been around the world with me but my new fit has seen some sights awesome. let me just say that awesome. um, you know I just honestly take it if I can as a preventative measure. And the only reason I don't have it here now is I really only wanted to do, you know, one carry on. So, but I definitely do travel back and forth with it. So, um, it sounds like there are many different practitioners across the country. So how can people, obviously, if they're local to Austin, they can look up NewFit, come see you guys in your, in your home headquarters. How can people find other practitioners across the country if they're interested in trying this out? The best place to do that would be our website, which is www.new.fit. We do now also own newfit.com if people go there, but neu.fit for neu for neurological. Um, and then there's a link that says for patients and a directory of, uh, you know, should be up to date, um, but, you know, several hundred locations certainly in the U.S. And then now we have some popping up in Canada, some in Australia, mm. a couple in Mexico, uh, as there's different distributors that are doing some some training and distribution in those countries. Uh, so that's the best place to look. If there is not anyone near you, um, you know, if you have a physical therapist who might be interested, of course, we'd love to talk to them. But we also have a, a team of our own therapists that support people remotely, where sometimes it makes sense, you know, if you're traveling, like you said, you have your own device for a variety of reasons. But uh uh, sometimes for people, even if it's for a, a, a window to recover from a surgery or if they're working on something longer term, like trying to restore function after a stroke or after losing some function because of MS or something like that, you know, sometimes working at home remotely is an option as well. But we certainly recommend seeing seeing a practitioner if that's possible as a as a first choice. And do you all still do the rental um where someone can rent a machine and work with one of your physical therapists or? We, we have some options like that. Yeah. And, and those are depending on circumstances. I think, you know, the best thing to do also through the website, there's a page to, to contact us and talk through, you know, what might make sense. Cause sometimes that would make the most sense. Um, just depends on the circumstances. And what type of training does someone go through if they're going to see another practitioner at another location in another state? What what type of training will that practitioner have gone through in order to, you know, operate this machine? So it, it is a medical device. And so before anyone would ever, you know, get to us for our training, they're going to either be themselves, a physical therapist, a chiropractor, 
or they're going to be, you know, an exp more experienced um, lay person, like a, a personal trainer or something, but but only working underneath the license of somebody else. There is this, you know, medical licensure requirement, and so so there, there's going to be some of these things in place. So you know, it's going to be a trusted licensed person to begin with, and then um, once they work with us, they go through our certification program. So it's you know, 20 hours or so worth of worth of content just to to really get started, um, get the get the basics down. It's that many hours that includes some time to practice. And is like that, that but it's in person or can people do that online or that's they fly to Austin and do that in person? It used to be flying to Austin and we had a lot of those and those are very wonderful. And then with COVID, that was oh, right. probably one of the one of the blessings in the sense that not I, I honestly do miss doing those courses in person and connecting with people, but it's made it a lot more accessible now. So we put it all online. You know, people watch the videos, they practice, they send in, do do a little bit of an exam and send in a video of them doing, you know, some techniques also to, to pass and complete the certification so we can have some sort of vetting process. But it has been overall a net positive to put it online because people, they don't have to wait for the next one. They don't have to travel to Austin. They don't have to take time out of, you know, they can watch it on their schedule. Uh, and it's been very effective to get people up and running. And then we have a more other advanced focused courses in our curriculum. If people want to go down more of the sports uh, path or more working with neurological patients, these different specializations too. Great. Is there anything you feel like we haven't covered that that you want to say about NewFit or the newbie? I mean, we we covered a lot of a lot of good bases. Um, you know, I, I do think this notion that we talked about a little bit of of you know pain. I just I I think it's probably worth another mention, maybe even from a slightly different angle of. You know, when you're talking about functional medicine, trying to get to the root cause, I really think that there is an analogous, almost virtually identical path when Absolutely. we're talking about injury, dysfunction, anything in the musculoskeletal system. And so I think understanding that pain is a signal. Also, fatigue is a signal. All uh, There's different, um, you know, these different things there and, and figuring out, you know, doing that same sort of approach and same sort of detective work to figure out why one is experiencing this pain or this limitation um, and then having a powerful enough tool, you know, sometimes you have to pull out the big guns and, and go after SIBO or something like that. Sometimes we have to pull out the big guns and go after this nervous system thing. Um, but if you can play detective and sort of have the right framework and then the right tools, you know, you can solve the problem. Do you have anybody on your team talking to people about, you know, diet and getting off inflammatory processed foods, anything like that? It's so there's a there's an interesting opportunity there. I mean, I would we do some, but probably probably not enough because obviously you know even better than I do how how important that is. You know, if people are having chronic pain, our PTs would talk to them about various lifestyle parameters. If people are coming in for training, you know, we'll talk to them about recovery. No one on our team, you know, at least here in Austin, we have you know, some clinics may also have right. a dietitian or may have, may do more sophisticated health coaching or something like that. At our, you know, just speaking for our clinic, you know, we're at least talking to people about the basics, having those conversations during a session about like key lifestyle things, about sleep, hydration, nutrition, just some of the big, you know, some of the big levers. Right. Not necessarily getting too into too far into details. There's a really interesting opportunity where I mentioned this neuropathy study, where we're going to have some, you know, have this, you know, essentially neuropathy program. And in that, I think there's a really big, especially for people who have, you know, diabetic neuropathy, mm -hmm. right? When there's these different metabolic issues and lifestyle obviously is an even more important part of it. And also we work with a lot of MS patients, you know, through you, through Dr. Walls, who, you know, who you connected us with, right? So all the, you know, so in those cases, I think a, in a you know, more of a, more of a complete package type of treatment, you know, a kitchen sink approach where we're, we're using the newbie, but we're also, also dialing in the lifestyle factors, I think is even more important there. And so that's something we're, we're, you know, kind of looking at for how we can launch a more complete neuropathy program as well when that study gets published. Right. Well, before we part ways, I always like to ask every guest, you know, what are three things that you can think of that you could let our guests know that they can do to take back their health today? Whew. Well, read Amy's books. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, to do with me. Come on. Um, well, I'd say one of the biggest. What are three for, things you tell your patients? I'd say the biggest lever that I would pull 
for many people is probably circadian biology, uh, paying attention to you know light, timing of sleep and meals, light exposure in the morning, you know reducing blue light at night, when we're eating more calories earlier in the day. Uh, that to me, you know, in my own life, has made a, a big positive difference, and I think is uh, is sort of low hanging fruit that can help a lot of people. Um, I would say, you know, treat exercise like medicine. When we when we have, you know, if you get prescribed medicine, you need the right type, you need the right dose, you need to take it at the right frequency, right? And this, all those same things apply to exercise, and. Uh, and then I would say, you know, always have a goal in mind, always be, be building towards something. So, you know, for me, I'm not a competitive or not, you know, not even close to a professional athlete anymore, oh. but, but I'm. thought you were saying you I'm, weren't competitive. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I'm, I am. I am competitive. So I find a way, you know, have goals, different things I want to work on, you know, just going back to my number two and looking at exercise, you know, things that I'm working towards that, that, you know, gives me some excitement. And when I'm exercising, you know, it causes me to, to dig a little deeper, push a little harder, pay attention a little more precisely. Uh, so I think those are, those are my top three off the cuff. Okay. So circadian rhythms and uh, exercise and having a goal. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, you want to tell listeners where they can find you? Yes. Uh, so social media, we are most active on Instagram. I've, for the last seven or eight years of having new fit. We've, I've, I've mostly used our business page as my personal page. So new fit RFP for rehab fitness and performance. I also just, just this year, just in the last few weeks, started a personal page for the, for the first time on Instagram. It's my first and last name, Garrett.SaulPeter. And, uh, you know, please, please follow us there if you're on social media. And then our website is www.new.fit. The book is available on Amazon, the new fit method. And then I also have a podcast, which you graciously appeared on yes uh, on, a, on a recent episode called the new fit undercurrent podcast available on spotify apple youtube all all those channels well thanks so much garrett for spending time with us this was great to catch up and hopefully helpful for all our listeners so i really appreciate your time thank you so much for having me on it's a, an honor thanks take care thank you for listening to read the full show notes for each episode, which include a summary, timestamp, quotes, and any resources mentioned, please visit amymyersmd.com forward slash podcast. Lastly, if you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love if you would leave a rating and a review on Apple or Spotify, and we'll select a few to read out loud in a future episode. Tune in next week to hear from another inspiring guest as we help you take back your health.